All right, welcome to Podcast Live with yours truly, Raphael Calamat, here in Toronto. And on today's show, we have Mike Bleakley from Evolve Creative Solutions in Vancouver, also a VGT member. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good, Raph. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how's your weekend? It was great. I uh, watched a lot of the Bermuda Championship. Nice, uh, nice. Won a small amount of money on DraftKings. Uh, some good picks. I but wish I could say that. the same. You won. How much did you win? I won fifty U.S. dollars from five. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I uh, I wish I could say the same, but that didn't happen to me. Um, I'm on Bodog, and I put down a few dollars on. Our Canadian boy, Taylor Pendrith, but that didn't work out. But uh, you do anything for Halloween, or are we still all locked down in Vancouver as well? It's not so great here in uh, Toronto. There is some restrictions in place, to yeah. put it that way. Uh, things are open uh, um, to a small, to a certain degree, things are back, but you know they require passports and there's yeah. no dancing and all kinds of odd uh, uh, footloose era type restrictions yeah uh, is the best way I can say that <laughs> yeah well you know uh, all jokes aside you know uh, I guess you're not wearing your Halloween costume but uh, no. <laughs> speaking of trick or treat Mr. Greg Norman the shark is the new commissioner of the unknown Asian tour league I don't know what to call it there, it's been so there's been so much speculation on what's going on but it's a new Asian tour for those of you listening or watching. And uh, there's lots to unpack here, Mike, right? There, there, there's there so much with this tour. Essentially, let, let's get this right. So there's Saudis involved. They funded um, this tour. Uh, I think the company's called Live Investments Inc. And they're partnering with the FedEx tour. I guess it's sort of like a FedEx Cup style partnership. You know, uh, rumor has it they're going on uh, for a partnership for 10 years. So this is no laughing matter. This right. is a big deal. And we're talking not about a few million. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Actually, Greg Norman is dropping his CEO position for Greg Norman uh, Incorporated and taking this position. So he's taking this very seriously. That's correct. And... Um... From what I'm reading, there's going to be 10 events throughout the Asian Tour. And the Super Golf League, which is Dubai-backed uh, league, is coming to fruition. Uh, from what I've read, and uh, I'm seeing Lee Westwood calling this a no-brainer. Lee Westwood, is that the rumor? Like, I didn't hear any players attached to this yet, so that's interesting. Well, he, he's believed because he's 48 and he doesn't need to be a PGA Tour member. And from what I'm understanding, there's going to be sanctions from the PGA Tour for anybody right. who decides to uh, to join this tour. So, so this could be uh, really interesting and dramatic as, as it unfolds. That's ridiculous. You know, that's ridiculous. Can you imagine? They're all independent contractors. I know they have a commitment to the PGA Tour. They have to play a certain amount of events. But imagine being someone like Dustin Johnson, for example, and, and he's going to say, what do you mean I can't go over and make $10 million or a million dollars or whatever? Like, I don't think it would, it's going to, in their best interest. However, I guess they're competitors. They will be competitors. But 
you know, there's no convenience. Look at what happened in Japan. A lot of guys didn't go down and they're playing for $10 million and they still had a hard time. You know, I know we're in the pandemic and everything, but I can't see outside of the majors and the players and there's some really big events. It's going to take a lot to get these players down. And maybe that's not what they want to do. Maybe they just want it to be a more developmental tour, right? It's when they're putting this kind of money into it, they're going to want to have marquee players, in my opinion, anyway, right? Yeah. But I see the PGA Tour being a tough nut to crack. Like we said before, it's a bit of an old boys club. Yep. And uh, what they say is going to carry a lot of weight. So we may not see some of the big marquee names run off to play this tour um, because of the financial penalties that could be involved. They're, so we have to look at what's a better opportunity, playing the PGA Tour, the WGC, which is separate, we know, but uh, they go that route, you know, this, uh, or they ostracize themselves and go play this new tour. So I think maybe some of the young players might get attracted and yeah. go for Saudi uh, Asian tour uh, collaboration, um, which so maybe some of the young guns we see go yeah. up out there, which would be really interesting, but I have a feeling it's going to be hard pressed for seeing, uh, you know, McElroy and uh, yeah. Kepka and, and all these guys go battle it out over there because um, there's a ton of money on the PGA tour right now. So if these guys can't play for the FedEx Cup, and, you know, like win the FedEx Cup, that's like $18 million in your pockets. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's some big decisions for these guys to make. Yeah, because really it's a it's a launch pad for younger guys, like you said. However, Greg's got a lot of pull. Now you look at guys yeah. like Adam Scott, uh, other Australian players. I can't think of anybody at the top of my head who would do that right now. Um, but look at even Jason Day, I suppose. You know, who hasn't been Day's playing too well. You know, long in the tooth and uh, some injuries, and uh, and they're still you know, getting. Go ahead. I was going to say, if he struggles for status uh, on the tour, perhaps he starts to look at the Saudi leagues. Right, right. And then there's, you know, there's world golf rankings, and I think this was the biggest problem problem the Saudis had, with. Uh, and by the way, the company's called Live Investments, <laughs> so uh, that's the Saudi company, I think. And that was the problem they were having, the World Golf Rankings, and then the PGA Tour collaborated with the European Tour. So now the, the Scottish Open is part of the circuit. So everybody's going to be going to Scotland the week before the Open. And this being the 150th uh, anniversary of the Open, it's going to be a really big deal over in St. Andrews. And they're supposed to launch this like next year. As early as January and February, I, I'm not sure how, but I guess they're just going to throw it out there and they're going to put this huge purse and see what happens. Uh, either that or they're going to have to, the players are going to have to get waivers from the PGA Tour to play if they're not allowed, like some sort of special exemption of sorts. Um, but back in the day, I, I don't know if you remember, Mike, but Greg Norman... Uh, had uh, some long talks with Tim Fincham about doing the world tour. And so I don't know if he has an axe to grind here. <laughs> this, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, this was a talk long time. He's, Greg Norman was shut down because, you know, he's business savvy. He's, he's got so oh, many things going on. He's almost more of a competitor business-wise than he was in the golf course. So 
He's uh, done very well from, from wines to, to golf apparel, uh, lots and lots of options. So you know he's going to go with this aggressive. He, he's probably going to have success to some degree. Um, it's just a matter of what. Who, who's he going to be able to pull over? Who can he get to buy into this tour uh, from, uh, from the PGA? So is it going to be a bunch of the 40-somethings like Lee Westwood? You know, no doubt Lee would take a golden handshake to come over and be an ambassador for this new tour in golf venture. And this could be, you know, looking at the positives, perhaps it grows the game in Asia, grows it through uh, Dubai, you know, United Arab Emirates, and I mean, that part of the world could yeah. be a, a open up some great uh, travel destinations, could expose golf to other people that may never have had a chance to see it. Uh, golf is uh, extremely popular in Asia, uh, Japan, Korea, it's, it's exploding in China. Um, so, so there could be some good, a great upside to this and maybe creates a, uh, that, that step towards the world too. I agree with you 100%. Look, we've got a couple of things to cover. This weekend was unbelievable. I know a lot of players didn't go out to the Bermuda Championship. However, what a beautiful golf course, what a great place to go. But, I, you know, I think due to the restrictions, the players had a hard time um, making that decision of going down there and being double vaccinated, then getting checked for COVID. Now, if you tested positive, that means you'd have to quarantine there for two weeks. And a lot of these players were coming in from Japan as well. So, but it gave an opportunity for a lot of players ranked from, let's say, 150 to 250 to jump in there and play in an event where you have 500 FedEx points, $1.2 million for first yep. place, you know, a two-year exemption. You get entry into the Masters, the PGA Championship. Yep. Um, and who comes up on top? Lucas Herbert. Some people might say, who? <laughs> well, he, exactly. You know, but last year, he had a pretty good season. Last year, he won over at Dubai and I think the Irish Open. He's 25 years old. He's a young guy. And, um, hey, are we uh, going to start talking President's Cup early on? Well, this is a huge jump start to this kid's season. He's from St. Kid. He's 25 years old. So to me, he sounds like one. But uh, yeah, I, he uh, held it together pretty good. You know, I watched uh, all of Sunday, most of Saturday. And, you know, I, for one, I love watching these guys play in brutal conditions like that because uh, I've experienced many tournaments in, in conditions like this where you're hoping they're going to get canceled. Yeah. while you're out there suffering and just to see uh, the difficulty uh, that the conditions bring and how it separates the field, right? Like uh, Taylor Pendrith, uh, definitely, you know, I would think the, the, the weather was a factor for, for these guys, um, you know, and as much as we would like to see him uh, pull it off, especially you, um, <laughs> you know, Lucas played a solid final round. Yeah, he did. You know, uh, speaking of Taylor Pendrith, look, uh, you can't take away the fact that the kid shot 61. You know, uh, you know, I know he shot 76 on Sunday, but it was brutal conditions. Can you imagine the nerves he had? Now, he's a 30-year-old rookie, but he's never been in that position. I mean, nope. it's his, uh, you know, 
I don't know which start it is for him on the PGA Tour. Probably like he's up there close to 10, maybe 15 starts. Most of which are at the Canadian yeah. Open, by the way. Right. <laughs> and, um, but he was 17 under going into Sunday with a three-shot lead, shoots 76, the double on 17, two balls in the water, man. What a catastrophe. It was a disaster for anybody. I hope he could just shake it off and move on because, as you know, and, you know, I've played events as well. You know, back in the day, I played the Ben Hogan Tour. Speaking of weather, we used to play in March. And uh, it was basically a dog track. I mean, and muddy, it's wet and rain. For those of you who are American or any other part of the world, conditions in spring and fall are pretty bad in Canada. <laughs> They're not so great. We got a peak season about five months. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's really tough. And in Vancouver, I lived in Vancouver. We played a lot together back in the day. And it's, it gets rainy and windy. So you'd be used to these conditions more than I ever have been. Um, but well, out here we play all year. Our season, it, it maybe it comes to an end for a, a short period of time. Uh, if we have uh, a good dry fall, there's plenty of golf to be had. And you know, I've got some crazy golf friends out here. We'll go out and play in, in trash weather. Um, and I find it's excellent for tournaments, character building. You you go out. Uh, and you know how to play in these tough conditions. So when you do get forced to play in a tournament, you're, I find, mentally prepared for the uh, the ugliness of the day. And like Jack Nicholas famously says uh, in the past, uh, you know, you're you're beating 90% of the field in a day like that if you can keep your mind right and uh, and be focused and and try and find some way to enjoy that uh, that tournament. So so yeah, out here. We do get longer uh, season than you do in Ontario, but um, uh, it can be cold and wet and, and drizzling, and, and which makes it tough. And we're also at sea level, so the ball doesn't travel very right. far here at sea level. So uh, there's a lot of variables right here. Yeah, well, we had a bunch of Canadians over in Bermuda too, uh, but it was exciting to watch. I'll tell you, it's more exciting to watch those type of conditions because you rarely see it on tour, especially on a Sunday. Um, so you would see it out, I guess, in the UK and, um, you know, sometimes out on the West Coast when they're play, playing Pebble Beach or Torrey Pines, you get that kind of uh, marine layer that comes in with some wind and rain, but nothing like the way it was in Bermuda. The, the winds were really howling, but he did choose 61. He's got a lot to be proud of. Just got married. He's been living out of uh, Corey Connors place, supposedly, for, for the longest okay. time. Yeah, he just got a new place. So, you know, good for him. A lot of great things are happening for him. We're going to see a lot with with him. You know, me, for myself, being an instructor and a student of the game and watching his swing with that, you know, he sort of got a very upright takeaway and a very shallow um, and uh, neutral follow-through. But he hits it, you know, a country mile. Oh, he, he absolutely bombs it, which is great to see uh, a swing that, it's not textbook. We'll put it that way, you know. Uh, and uh, it's good to see that creativity and, and, a, and a different type of golf swing generating that power. And I think uh, there's nothing but positives for him to take away from last weekend. And much as the pain of shitting the bed on a Sunday, you know, there's nothing wrong yeah. uh, uh, that happens. It's a, it's a hard game, and those are those uh, battle wounds that you you need to go through it. So next time he will. Uh, 
hopefully have learned from that and uh, and has other opportunities to close one out. But uh, you know how he played to get himself into the final group on Sunday is what he's got to take home from that. Yeah, which was was excellent call. And yeah, uh, that could happen to anybody. And. 17 who was probably trying to make something happen and get that eagle and try to contend and uh, overhook it into the water as, as much as i want to say he should have hit his bomb, bomb free iron out it's, there short of the bunker and, uh, <laughs> you know but it's so easy to say when you're sitting in uh, your living room chair or you're in bed watching the event it's kind of easy to say right but when you're in the moment, you know, who knows what's running through his head, him and his caddy, you know, especially with those conditions. But look, some notables as well. Look at Brian Gay. Comes back, shoots 10 under, T12. You know, he loves this place. He's, he's, he's played really well with his win last year. Hold it in on 18. Then you got Scott yeah. Stallings. Just blows well, the whole thing. I don't know what course he was playing. But uh, not the same course everybody else was playing. He was in his own gear that day. That was an unbelievable round for him to shoot uh, 61 while the field was, uh, you know, he was 10 shots ahead of the field. I think so. Or I don't know. I think it was a 62. I th I, I'm not sure. But he was, it was a T5 at the end of the day. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Reed, 65. Closes 14, 17, and 18 with birdies, right? Yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, Patrick Reed is a grinder, and, and I find he is one of the best players to have on your, uh, your DraftKings team, wherever you do your pool. Yep. Patrick Reed is always a safe pick. You like him or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know how it goes. You try to pick players you love. You're, you're never going to win any money. So Patrick <laughs> Rico, he always yeah. said delivery. And uh, how about Danny Lee? I don't think I remember seeing him win anything since the 2015 Greenbrier. Uh, unless I'm wrong, but I don't, that's, it's been a while. And then he was, you know, you looked at 12, 13, and 14. He bogeys those. And then he comes back with... 15, 16, and 17 with birdies. And it's sort yeah. of like an out of, out of, we've all been there, out of body experience. You start just shooting like balls left and right, start playing some military golf, and then it all comes together again, right? But to do that on a Sunday with those conditions, pretty great. Might be able to see some nice things from Danny again. Well, a few things with Danny. First, I had him in my DraftKings team, so I was a big fan of him mm. moving forward and uh, was uh, cursing him a little bit on his uh, uh, mishap there in the back nine, but he really he picked it up. And if you notice, um, he's not known to be a long hitter because I believe he has averaging 285. Or, you know, he was a, you know, a shorter hitter for these days in golf, but you look at his swing, he, he's been actually... Uh, there's some resemblance to Bryce and DeChambeau, you know, the, on the 18th tee box yeah. on round three. Was that round right? three where he, he jumped he out was, of his shoes? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That looked like he was uh, practicing DeChambeau in the mirror trying to squeeze some yards out of there. And he uh, admittedly been working very hard on his putting the last month. And, uh, and this just goes to show that results uh, with golf uh, – uh, are, are well rewarded uh, when uh, you put the time in, and uh, he he played great, you know, to uh, 
bounce back and have a shot at uh, perhaps getting to a playoff after uh, going uh, four over and three holes uh, was uh, really remarkable. Yeah. No, it was exciting. It was fun to watch. I can't wait till, uh, you know, the season kind of starts up for all the big names and players. Uh, so we should be seeing that uh, shortly. You know, and just to switch gears, Mike, you know, it's really great to do this with you, right? To do this podcast, to talk golf, because we've been talking golf for 20 plus years. And to finally have a platform where we could have this conversation where people could kind of uh, get involved with us and reach out to us. And um, because we're not the only ones doing this, it's great that we could go on YouTube or other places and watch uh, these types of podcasts. You know, if you look at CBS with the first cut, you got uh, Rick, Isaac Gemmon and Greg Ducharme, Mark Immelman and Kyle Porter. They've got some great analysis. I love watching them. And then you got Gary Williams just started off the show a couple of weeks ago. Interesting enough, you'll yeah. have Greg Norman on very shortly, but that's called Five Clubs Golf. So that's really cool. Yes. That's a really independent thing. Then you got Riggs, all those guys at uh, Barstool Golf doing an amazing yes. job doing all the, all that they do for the they sport. And, fantastic. you know, uh, uh, my new friend, Mark Zacchino with Golf Talk Canada, obviously he does it online, but he also does TSN. That's incredible. Duck Smith and Will Lowry for the Golf Channel. Finally, a breath of fresh air. You got a lot of dinosaurs over at the Golf Channel. No, <laughs> I don't want to put those guys down, but sometimes I feel like I'm falling asleep. Sometimes they need some younger guys, a different perspective. And so, you know, traditional media, great. I love it. I love the production value, obviously because this is not huge production value, but it, I'm hoping this is an interesting conversation to a lot of people who don't know about golf or learning about it or just want to hear a different perspective. You know, Brandel Chambly, Rich Lerner, Justin Leonard, we talked about that before. And I don't mind guys like Whit Watson, but look at someone like Connor Moore, who does all those impersonations and he's got a good perspective on golf. They put him on Golf Pass when he should be on network television. So, Con Connor, if you're out there, <laughs> good job. Yeah, we're pulling for you, Connor. You, uh, you got to step up to the big leagues because we need you. And you're right. Like the, there are some great commentators like Faldo and Faraday. Yeah. Are, are incredibly witty sometimes. And, but they're and held back, though, right? They're a little held back. There's that's the culture today, right? It's the uh, social justice warrior slash outrage culture. These. Uh, announcers have to be extremely careful with what they uh, with their jokes because uh, somebody's going to get offended so that yeah. has to be a factor that, that with these guys and you know remember years ago Kelly Tillman uh, slipped oh, yeah. talking about Tiger right and, and she meant nothing by it um, and, and did apologize very quickly for it and even I was like oh Kelly that was that one's going to cost that was about 10 years ago I yeah yeah that was uh, over in uh, in in uh, Hawaii at one of the events either Kapalua or um, yeah something like that mm -hmm. yeah you know and, and uh, it got swept under the rug fairly quickly thankfully uh, but had she said that within the last year or two uh, she would have been cancelled immediately. Um, you so. know, it's it's part of it's part of uh, what we call cancel culture these days. I don't want to dive into it too much because it's kind of heavy. It's hard to talk about. Yeah. But people should have the freedom of expression. I mean, you know, journalists and media, and you know, I feel like people are entitled to their opinion. It may not always be wrong or right, but there's a way to go about it. And if something is said wrong, there's always a 
you know, there's a place for it to apologize or, you know, to have some reflection and talk about it. But, uh, you know, spur of the moment, you and I are talking, we don't mean any, uh, anything bad by what we're saying. We just have an opinion, right? So the fact that I'm not crazy about seeing, you know, Lisa Cornwell or Todd Lewis on television, <laughs> I don't mean anything by it. <laughs> but they're very professional. They do a great job. Uh, but you introduced me to a, a funny guy um, online, the Club Pro Guy. Is that his name? I Club saw Pro some. Guy. <laughs> yes. This guy is absolutely hilarious. And he's created some uh, a massive following with his deadpan humor yep. uh his his um mock uh post round interviews and he blurs his face out and uh he's created a bunch of characters around him with uh miguel his greenskeeper and uh his triple mask wearing club manager and uh he's brilliant he has a uh, a deadpan delivery and, and really satirical uh, about the golf industry and uh, you know uh, the days, the ins and outs of a, what a, a club pro is going to see. He has a, a great way of mocking that, and cool. it's one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, I saw. I, I, I've I, seen I, some of those skits where you know he comes back from a regular like men's league or something and talks about his triple bogeys and <laughs> stuff, and uh, uh, he's answering media questions. Pretty funny stuff. But that's you know it's ref it's refreshing, right? It's it's great oh, to see that kind sure. of stuff. And you know he's he's been talking about building uh, a golf course, Three Jack National, yep. and I thought it was satirical again. And in his video he posted yesterday seems to be like they're laying sand out, and I'm starting to wonder if he's actually making a golf course. I think we need to do a <laughs> bit of a deeper dive in there because that would be unbelievable if he ends up carving out his own golf course and that kind of living. Uh, living every golfer's dreams right, to have their own track. Right on, right on. Well, we don't have too much time. However, uh, we're going to jump into one last topic, and that's uh, off-season training. You know, it's off-season up here in Canada. I don't know where it's off-season elsewhere, but I guess the northern United States and parts of Europe. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that we could do for the golf season, the off-season, so to speak. You know, I've always worked on things like your grit, stance your posture ball position yep. uh your alignment and then you know you could always do weight and strength training uh you know fiddle around with the clubs get some new clubs do some simulator stuff so much technology out there and cool apps you know i don't know if you have any Absolutely. off the top of your head you know for as far as apps there's, there's but, a um, great app called uh, decade golf uh, it's oh yeah a free app and a friend of mine turned me on to it and it's uh, put together obviously by a teaching pro and uh, he's assembled some uh, really interesting videos. He's curated his own uh, selection of videos, and uh, uh, it's free for the most part. There's obviously a subscription tier for more information, but uh, I find uh, that one's pretty good. But the off season's a good time to work on your body, right? So like you said, everything you know related to setup and um, uh, and all of that, and, and you being in Ontario where there's snow on the ground, things are closed, so you're yeah. you are limited in what you can do in terms of golf itself but your body is something that uh, is the main driving engine behind every shot so the uh titleist performance institute uh, has got yep. some great exercises that you can do and uh, even in, in the comfort of your home with bands and uh, you don't need a lot of equipment to do these things um uh, a lot of it involves uh you know, like i said simple band works and plyometrics and, and you can really do a lot of good for your your body 
during the off season. And uh, there's plenty of good videos if you follow TPI on Instagram and, and YouTube, and, and uh, you get a lot of information for free. But if you know a TPI coach in your neighborhood, yep. well worth it. Yeah, even <coughs> even a um, even on Golf Pass, they've got a lot of great uh, exercises and things you could do not only for your uh, for stretching and for strength training, but also for uh, nutrition. And you know you could always get some new threads, get you know get some new clothing, maybe get a, get a new bag. You know, set yourself up so when you feel like you're going out and starting up your season again, you know, even getting you know regripping your clubs, uh, checking your loft and your lie on your clubs. You know, maybe reshafting a few things. Uh, so it's a time to tinker, a time to fool around and get your game uh, in shape. I mean, nutrition too. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'd love to get my strength up, but you know I want to lose a little bit of weight. Especially we're getting to our age; we're in our late forties, getting ready for the uh, Champions Tour. <laughs> Isn't every guy in their forties getting ready for the Champions Tour? That's the dream, right? Yep. <laughs> we all think we can do it, but uh, the Champions Tour is uh, getting stronger and stronger by the week. So, you know, um, it's, it's a lofty dream. But there, there is a lot you can do for your golf game, and you said it with. Uh, you know, how many people do you know that have uh, an old set of grips on their club that's, uh, that has nothing left on it? And, and uh, that's one of the cheapest investments you can do yeah. to your golf bag uh, is just change new grips. It's like getting new tires on your car. You yeah. know, it's going to feel great. Uh, you should always get your loft and lie angles checked because uh, if you have forged clubs, they, they, they change. The more you hit balls, especially at the range, uh, those lots and lives change. So that, that those are low-hanging fruit and very inexpensive uh, enhancements you can do to your game in the off-season. You don't necessarily have to spend thousands on a new bag. Uh, for a few hundred bucks, you can uh, get your grips done, get a little bit of time with the pro uh, on the track man and check your lots and lives, and you'd be amazed at the difference. In fact, I did that last year. And my swing changed a little bit with some of the hip rotational work I've been doing. And I went in to see Austin Hughes uh, over here at Rob Holding Golf Center in uh, Richmond. And we spent about an hour and a half going through uh, my irons. And I, I moved everything down two degrees flat. And immediately I noticed a difference out on the golf course where I was hitting the ball straight down my target line rather than pulling left. And a lot of my misses, I find I was, I was missing the green left on approaches. And um, it turns out uh, it was uh, time to switch my uh, my angles. Yeah. So I made a huge. So and it literally was well worth the time. So, Mike, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember? So we, for those of you watching or listening, uh, Mike and I used to be old roommates back in the late 90s. And we had a house where we pitched up the stairs. We chipped all over the house. We putted. We made a lot of holes, but you know, there's things you could do at home uh, to work on your game. So a small chipping, getting a basket, getting a, a golf hole, especially working with your alignment and uh, getting your pre-shot routine in check uh, and, and getting that right, you know, looking down your line, depending on the putter that you have, whether you have a blade or a mallet, but you know, working inside the house is a, a lot of fun or the backyard. Um, and uh, I think we're going to end it at that, unless you want to jump in and say something else about uh, pre-shot routine or uh, getting getting your game ready for the off-season or the on-season. 
Well, I think we've touched on a lot of stuff there, but you're right. Indoors, uh, just just you know, simple drills like there is an impact position drill where you put your club head up against a door frame or a corner of a wall, turn your core uh, into the door frame, holding uh, the club against that uh, corner it allows you to feel impact and it's it's a great drill that an old coach todd spring uh, taught me years and years ago and it's something that's stuck in my mind and i'll, I'll uh, use that as a reference point if i'm doing stuff at home but uh, i think we covered a lot on, on yeah that yeah you know what i i'm just gonna leave it at this get your grips changed you know <laughs> like that's like it almost yeah. feels like you have new clubs right whether you have like you know a 10 finger grip interlocking what's the other one overlapping double overlap you know, work on your grip, even when you're watching TV or you're watching us on this podcast. Listen, guys, thanks for tuning in. It's been great to have you watch. Uh, Mike, what can I say? Thanks for having you on again. I, we're going to do this a lot more. You know, I've been talking about this for a long time. We're going to get some great guests. So for those of you watching, we're going to have not only instructors, we're going to get tour players on. We're going to get some great sponsors talking about technology. And uh, just stay tuned. Just make sure you subscribe. You know, I don't want to sound so typical about how everyone talks about, you know, subscribe, ring the bell, but, you know, it really helps press here. press here or there or, you know, and, you know, you can follow us. If you want to support us, get in touch with us. If you want to get some sponsorship in or even any kind of sponsorship through Patreon, you can go to uh, the information down at the link uh, somewhere around on YouTube or and um for Mike Bleakley in Vancouver, I'm Raphael Kalamat. You're watching or listening to Podcast Live. Take care, Mike. See you, everybody. Hey, Raph. Take care, buddy. Bye.